You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So this morning while they're passing, let me go ahead and get started. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we are in currently in a sermon series called Unstuck. Uh, it's, the idea is sometimes in life we get stuck. We get stuck in our beliefs, our uh, things that, uh, situations in our lives. We get uh, stuck in certain dynamics within relationships. There's lots of reasons why we get stuck in different ways. And so this sermon series is addressing some of those. This morning, I want to get us unstuck from religion. Can you say amen? Um, It's easy to get there, but uh, this morning, before we get going into that, uh, I've noticed something um, that's going to kind of lead us towards our sermon. I have noticed this morning that we... As a, as a society, especially as Americans, we have become amazingly uh, critical. Uh, it's been amazing to me how, this is, I like to see everybody. Um, it's amazing to me how critical we've become. Now, I get it that Republicans and Democrats, they're going to be critical of each other's perspective. I get that. I'm, a, I'm not even opposed to that on some levels. It's part of what balances us out as a nation to have multiple opinions to do that. And I get that, understand that Mexico and Canada were going to be critical that the U.S. pulled out of NAFTA. I expected that. I I understand those types of things and those critical. I understand that we, the United States and most of the West, in fact, probably the majority of the world right now are very critical of what's going on in North Korea with the nuclear tests and the the missile launches that they're doing. We're critical. The world is critical of what's going on there. But our critical expressions have gone way beyond that as a nation and I think sometimes you have to like stop and see what we see sometimes we see it but we don't see it there's just so much I mean I remember this last year and it's moved in this way this year is um, Colin Kaepernick you know critical of the condition that still exists in our nation and rightly so but the problem was is that then people became critical of his expression and it lost a little bit of something. And then now people are critical that no one's re-signed him. And now you got other players, ex-players, who are critical of his girlfriend, what she's saying. It's like all everybody's critical of everybody else in just one little thing. I noticed uh, a few weeks ago uh, when Hurricane Harvey hit... There was a ton of people in the Houston area, which if you didn't know, I'm from Houston originally, and so I have family in there, and I was watching all of what was going on with Harvey because we have family in the area, and everybody was really critical of Joel Osteen and his church for not immediately opening their doors to the people who were victims, who needed shelter. It didn't matter that they had flooding in the church or that they couldn't get volunteers or staff there because they were all dealing with floods at their house. But the reality was they just wanted to be critical. We've become critical of everything around. This past week, the people that uh, have dealt with the uh, Hurricane Irma, the people living down in the Florida Keys, they were all irate and all critical of all the safety measures that were keeping them from going back into something until they knew it was safe, until they knew they had some things in place to make it possible for people to stay there. Because to go from like Miami all the way down to Key West is a four-hour drive. And if you don't have things in place, uh, there's, there's, there are issues, right? Power, fuel, 
all those types of things. And so those responders were trying to, but everybody was just critical. You're not letting me go to my, my property. We've become critical of everything. I've noticed this past week that we've now become critical of NASCAR. What in the world has happened to us, people? <laughs> and the people for the ethical treatment of animals, they're critical of everybody who has a non-traditional pet. And it's like everything. And then I noticed this this week. There were people on the news who were, they are, they would be vocal about their criticisms, but you know what they were criticizing? They were criticizing the people who wouldn't be vocal about their criticisms. It's like, everybody's criticizing everybody. And there's a part of me that just says, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Right? I mean, are you with me? Like, I'm just like, come on, Lord. thought like but what would jesus say about all of this i mean he dealt with people he dealt with a lot of people he dealt with people who were obviously in sin he dealt with people who were ungrateful when he healed them he dealt with people who who wouldn't believe in who he was including his own family he was on uh he had to deal with people who they just wanted what they could get. They wanted that free meal and the dinner entertainment that he provided. They wanted a position. There were people within his own close-knit group. It seemed like they somehow they just wanted a position in the new kingdom. There were people who left him. There were people who betrayed him. And yet what surprises me is that you don't hear him criticize any of them. None of them. But what you do find, and it's interesting, I put it in your notes, it's interesting that Jesus' harshest words recorded in Scripture were not for the rebels, the sinners, or the prostitutes, but for the religious people of his day. Jesus was critical of them and what life had become to them because they had become stuck. They had become stuck in their religious perspectives. They had become stuck in what they were making God out to be. They had become stuck in keeping rules against doing things on certain days and rules of you've got to do celebrate on these days. They were just stuck. It was their system. It had become their religion and they were stuck in it. But see, Jesus didn't come to set up a bunch of rules. He didn't come to enslave people. He came to set us free. And he came not to establish a religion, but to reestablish a relationship. And see, that's the problem. If we get stuck in our religion, we lose sight of the relationship. And so this morning, that's what I want to talk to us about. I want to talk to you. Let me give you a couple of comparisons really quickly. For those of us in this room who Christianity would be our faith base, our, our, our way of life, what we believe. Um, religion is man trying to reach up to God. Man's been trying to do that for a long time. Christianity, though, is God reaching down to man. Religion is what man has to do to be right. And Christianity says God already did it. There's already a way for you to be in a right position with God. Religion is all about effort, and yet Christianity is all about grace. 
if you and I have been following Jesus Christ for any length of time, there is this danger of getting stuck in our religious routines, in our religious thoughts, and in our religious patterns, just like the religious leaders of Jesus' day. You can get so consumed with the details and the rules that you miss the relationship that Jesus intended. And that's what happens. We fool ourselves into thinking, but if I'm going there on Sunday, if I'm doing this, uh, if I pray this way, if I read this, that somehow we're good and it's not about what we do. It's not about our religious activities. It's about our relationships. So this morning, I want to do three things. We're going to do three things and then we're done this morning. We're going to read our text. We are going to look at the dangers of being stuck in religion. And then we're going to talk about how do we move out of that if we find ourselves there. This morning's text is Matthew chapter 23. And I'm going to read it. It says this. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they don't practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and they put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. And they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So this morning I want to talk to you about some of the dangers of being stuck in religion. The first is this, that when we're stuck in religion, we got big talk, but we got no walk. Big talk and no walk. With religion, there's almost always hypocrisy that comes in. And there's a disconnect between what we say and what we live, what we proclaim and what we do. See, it says in the text that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they sat in Moses' seat, but it goes on to say they didn't practice what they preached. See, you can be like the Pharisees. You can think that you're positioned correctly, but position doesn't mean anything. Where we are doesn't mean anything. The walk and the talk have to match. They have to align. We can't be big talkers and no walkers. If we do, we're stuck in religion. Now, I also want to say, I'm not saying that everyone has to be perfect. Not at all. But if we're walking with Christ, there is an obvious and visual effort on our part, right? For our walk and our talks to try to align. Listen, if you stick with me 24-7, you will find out really quickly that not all of my talk aligns with all of my walk. Not because I don't want it to, but because I'm still human. But if you're still with me during that 24-7, you'll also see that there is an innate desire, right? That I am doing everything I know and I'm relying on the Lord every moment to help me make my talk and my walk be the same. 
We have to not be big talkers and no walkers. The second danger of religion is the elevation of rules over relationship. And I'm going to probably spend a little more time here than anywhere else today. I'm just going to tell you. This isn't to say this isn't to free anybody from rules and regulations. I'm not giving you license to go violate laws and rules. Um, Jesus actually said in verse 3 here, he says, you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But it's so easy for us to focus on the rules and not and, and in the process we miss the people. It's so easy to focus on the rules and miss out on what was really intended for us. So I was thinking this happens in a lot of places that I've worked and and quite honestly every once in a while it even happens within a church. What happens when someone does something that up until that point has never been defined it's never been no one's ever tried it before no one's ever done it sometimes it works out great sometimes it's a little on the edge sometimes it's a little over the edge sometimes what they say wasn't the best it wasn't what they really intended but they they kind of go over the edge they get into the gray area they do something it's not quite the way it should be done and at the top somewhere in the top management it doesn't meet approval overall Sometimes what happens is that they come in and they create a new rule to make sure that never happens again. Anybody ever experienced that? We're just making rules. We're making rules or making more rules when in reality it probably could have just been dealt with just in a conversation, a relational conversation. (laughs) Man, you you really stepped over the edge there. Did you see that? That was not good. And we're not going to create a bunch of rules, but I can tell you that let's not do that again. And you can put it out on the word out on the street. That wasn't your best. And we're not going to do that again. Right. You can resolve that without creating some new set of rules to make it heavy and difficult for everyone else. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what the religious people of Jesus day had done. They created rules, more and more rules to make it so that certain things didn't happen. But it became difficult. In fact, it goes on to say, don't do what they do. They create cumbersome, heavy loads and put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to to lift a finger. The verse says, don't do what religious people do. They make it spiritually hard on other people. They put spiritual heavy loads on people. Heavy rules. Rather than really trying to help. Now I'm going to tell you, when I was younger... They gave me all the Christian don'ts. I got all those when I was young, right? Don't go to movies. Now, you got to realize this was in the 70s. Don't go to movies. Don't go dancing. Don't go drinking. Don't go gambling. Don't go smoking. Don't go listening to rock music. And most of all, don't go talking to sinners. Now, you know, I'm a few decades later, but I'm like, how does the kingdom of God expand if we don't talk to sinners? And how does it happen if we don't, like, be in some of those places and some where some of them are? I just, but we had all the don'ts. I had all the don'ts, and I knew what I, I couldn't do. And I'm just going to tell you, that just made me want to do them. Did you know that? 
And when I did them behind doors, I was really good at them. But the don'ts, right? The rules just created this heavy load that, that then on Sundays came and it's like, oh, you did all the don'ts. It created heavy rules. It wasn't relationship. It became, did you follow the things? Did you check off the boxes? All those kind of things. And the reality is we're stuck in relation. I mean, we're stuck in, our, in religion. And it gives Christianity a bad rap. And the problem is we created it. We created it. Here's the reality. Religious people, religion, values rules over relationships. And it creates a lot of relational chaos in the process. The third thing is people stuck in religion, they have a high value on appearance, not on heart transformation. Verse 5 says that everything they do is done for people to see. See, religion places a lot of emphasis on the external while Jesus is really concerned about the internal. Religion wants to, to, it's about, what did you see? Well, did you see so-and-so at church today? Yes, I did. Did you see what they were wearing? Yes, it was a very nice outfit. So? Right? But religion places a lot of emphasis on the externals. And Jesus is so much more interested on our internals. And the, the fourth danger of being stuck in religion is that people have a false sense of spiritual security. Religion can deceive us. It can deceive us to believe that all is well with our soul when in reality, just like the Pharisees, we don't know him. We're actually separated from God because we're so busy doing his stuff that we're not really doing him. Does that make sense? If we see these things, if we experience these things, we're stuck. We're stuck in religion. But we can find a way out of the rut of religion and back into something that's much more authentic, that's the relationship that God intended. And that's what I want to conclude the rest of our time with this morning. I've just got three simple points, and we are going to beat the Baptists out of here this morning. The first is this, because they don't get out till 12. So we'll be done by 12, okay? Some of y'all caught that late. The first thing, if we're going to move from religion to authenticity, we have to receive God's grace. We must receive God's grace. Ephesians 2 says this, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast about it. When we recognize that we might be stuck in some religious thinking, some religious living, we can always come back to grace. It is His grace that saves. Let me say it again. It is His grace that saves let me say it a better way. It is his grace and his grace alone that saves us. When we find ourselves stuck in religion and we haven't find ourselves in a connected relationship, it is grace that saves us. And by us recognizing that either for the first time or for many of us recognizing it again, 
it reminds us that our freedom isn't based in anything else. Nothing that we've earned, nothing that we've accomplished, nothing that we've been rewarded for, nothing that we've made restitution for. Today, to receive God's grace is to receive his relationship. To receive God's grace again and again as much as I need it is to rekindle that relationship over and over. We must receive God's grace First and foremost, if we find ourselves stuck in any type of religious living or thinking. The second thing that we want to do, because this is sometimes where we get caught, is we want to extend God's grace. Colossians 3 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. As Christ followers, one of our roles is to extend and expand God's kingdom. And part of that is by us extending grace to others. One, for maybe what they've done to us, but so that we can not only extend the grace that we want to give, but we extend His love and His grace in the process. You know, there's a funny thing about grace and giving grace. The only way it works is if you've been harmed, fouled, or offended. Did you know that? If you do something really, really nice for me, if you love me, if you say kind things to me, I'm not giving you grace. I'm giving you appreciation. Do you see what I'm saying? The only way I can give you grace is if you've done something to offend me, if you've done something to harm me, if you've done something to foul me in a sort of a way. That's the only way that I can give grace. That's the only way we received it because we had done those and God gave us grace. So now in turn, we have to extend grace. But so many times we just want to put up the hand and walk away. That's not extending grace. That's not at all. It's, it includes forgiveness, but it's, it's, it's even bigger than that. It's way bigger than that. Forgiveness is, is you've done something and I forgive you and it's like, okay, we're good. But grace is to, like, like to bestow upon you my favor and, and to just, like, whatever you've done, it's like, I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm not, I don't, I'm not even going to, you know, you have to get to the point of forgiveness because you have, I'm not even going to let you forgive, offend me. Right? You can try, but you can't. You know, Pastor Farrell said to me, he said to me multiple times, he's like, go ahead, man. You can say anything to me because you can't offend me. I'm like, yes, I can. He's like, no, you can't offend me. I said, you want me to try? He's like, well, no, I'd rather you not try. He says, but I've made the decision. I made the decision you're not going to offend me. Right? We have to give grace. We have to, like, say it's not going to happen. Listen, I know this. This weekend, I I had someone, so I, I, I'm not going to go into all of it. I'm just going to tell you that I had the opportunity to, to be at a function this weekend. And before I got the opportunity to do it, I got cussed in the morning, right, by someone who was going to be there. And I thought, well, you just go do your own thing, man. But you know what? Grace rose up in me and says, no, I get it. They're in a tough spot. 
And I'm not going to take offense to that. And by me not taking offense, by me extending God's grace, God did something in that day. Like that person like did a 180, came back, was apologetic, said, hey, man, I love you. This is amazing. I, I can't, I, I just, I want to say, just falling all over themselves. But the great thing was, it wasn't because of, I went and chewed them out and told them off and they, they learned, well, whoa. Yeah, watch yourself. But it wasn't because I did anything like that, right? It all happened because I just chose to, to extend grace. And I would love to tell you that I did that because I knew I was preaching this sermon and I was just going to, like, it was fresh on my mind, but it wasn't. I just wasn't going to let the circumstances that they were dealing with impact me. And I chose to extend grace. And so God did that. Listen, everybody has sinned. We know that. Everyone has sinned against God. And pretty much everybody here has had someone sin against you. And you've probably sinned against somebody else. Agreed? That knowing that, we can choose grace. And we can choose to extend grace and to give it against anyone for whatever. I know sometimes people say, but you don't know what they did. I'm like, it don't matter. Right? It's our choice. We have to choose grace. So we receive God's grace and we extend God's grace. And the third thing that will help us move out of religion back into authenticity and keep that relationship is that we have to live in God's presence. We must find ourselves living in God's presence. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4, I won't go through the whole thing, but it's basically... It's telling us that God desires for us to live in his presence. In verse 4, it says that he chose us. In fact, it says that he chose us before the creation of the earth. That was before you did anything. That was before you did anything good or anything like that. Before the foundation of the earth, it was before you and I ever got here. God chose us. God chose to be in relationship with us. God chose for man to be in his presence and to, to spend time with them. Here's the crazy thing. The second thing I want you to know about living in God's presence is that he makes it possible. It's not about what we make possible. It's about what he makes possible. Psalms 116 says this. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. See, God makes it possible for us to live in his presence. We don't. He does. And here's the best part of all. Not only does he make it possible, he makes it easy. John 14, 23 says this. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. See, it's really simple. We just have to love the Lord. If we love the Lord and we keep his word, not all the religious extras keep his word. If we're focused on him and focused on his word, it says here that the Father will love us too and that Christ and the Father come and live with us. They live, we live in the presence of the Lord. It's really made simple. Love God and really try to pursue him and his word, not the extras, right? Not all the extra don'ts just those things that matter 
loving Him. I want to tell you what, if we could just learn to truly love the Lord, it will so transform the way we think, the way we live, it will transform our hearts in such a way that it impacts everything else. I want to repeat something that I said earlier. You can, and I can get so easily consumed with the details and the rules of religion that we miss the relationship that Jesus desires to give us. But you and I can free ourselves. We can free ourselves from the rut of religion. We can climb up out of that thing and live in his presence simply because he makes it possible and he makes it easy. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I think at times we all find ourselves we can fall into a rut of various different things and today the most important thing you'll walk away from here will not be what I have said today I'm hoping that the most important thing that you walk away with having heard today is what the Holy Spirit might say to you in the next few seconds But if not, you know you're prone to it. If that's you this morning, I'm, part of my prayer is going to be for you. Would you just raise your hand and lift that? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. presence and that we might be with him forever in eternity but it's by his grace it's not by our religious works in any way so this morning I'm going to pray for us and if you find yourself in that situation I would ask that you not just listen to my prayer but that you find yourself praying as well Lord this morning God I pray over these your people God I thank you for Lord the life that you give us Lord the life that you intend for us to live God the relationship that you've provided God I'm sorry Lord on behalf of us Lord, on behalf of your church, your bride, Lord, the American church, God, we're sorry for what we've made it at times. God, we've made it something that's really, you didn't intend. In fact, it's, at times it can be very much what you spoke against and criticized yourself. 
Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, those of us in this room, God, especially those of us who raised our hand and said, I am so prone to this or I'm there now. Lord, I pray that you would help us to step out of religion, God, and step back into relationship, a full relationship the way you intended it. God, even more than that, God, we, your people, God, we pray that you would allow us as a nation to move away from our religiousness and find what our founding fathers brought us here for. God, today we love you, we bless you, and we thank you for the life you provide. But again, I pray that as we go today, that you would we would go in your favor and your might. God, in your blessings. God, give us awareness of your presence and your grace. And God, arrest our thoughts and help us to give grace when it's needed. We pray this today in Christ's name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.